What's going on, guys? Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. This is episode 84. Today, I am interviewing Christine O'Reilly. Christine, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Absolute pleasure. Um, hope your holidays were good. Welcome to the show. They were. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, grateful to be here. Absolute pleasure. Uh, sorry, my... Uh, sorry, that's okay. Uh, my show decided to come on live on my own computer. <laughs> yeah, of course. Welcome to technology, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what happens yes, holidays. when I Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say holidays were good down here. I hope they were good up there as well. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite different than uh, last year, which is kind of a good thing because we were in lockdown yeah. last year. Yeah, exactly, so. right? Kind of somewhat normal, even though the numbers are crazy, but whatever, you know, got to yeah. kind of keep on living. Yeah. So I want to start off the show with a uh, brief biography about not just what you do now, but how you got into it. And then we'll go from there. Absolutely. Um, so my name is Christine. I'm a finance manager for businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, how did I start? I started by not listening to my mom. <laughs> so when I graduated high school, my mom said, you should be an accountant. You're great with numbers. You're detail oriented. You're great at communicating that information to people. And I said, ew, who would want to be an accountant? It's the most boring job in the world. Uh, so I spent about 20 years, uh, almost 20 years living, doing the things. And then when I was in my 30s, I was looking for a little bit more stability. And I, I was working in office admin and an, as an accounts receivable specialist at the time. And I thought, you know, it would be a great job being an accountant. The moral of the story is listen to your mom. Uh, so I went and I completed my schooling. I got my quote unquote dream job. Turned out to be awful. I hated every minute of it. I used to call my husband on my lunch break, crying, begging, asking when I could quit my job. Uh, so then I moved to a public accounting firm, which I loved. Um, I loved the work. I loved the people I worked with. But there was very limited touch, touch time with clients. You know, you don't often spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with your clients unless you're a partner. So I decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship. Um, and especially with COVID happening and all of these people coming into the online space, which is amazing. Um, there's not a lot of numbers nerds out there, you know, to kind of like help entrepreneurs uh, and businesses understand their numbers and what that's telling them and why it's important. So that is my story and why I decided to jump into entrepreneurship and uh, specifically the virtual space. Makes sense. Where um, are you uh, located now? Like, So I am originally from a small town outside of Ottawa, um, born and raised. But right now we are actually living in Mexico. Um, so I was going to say, what was the inspiration to go there? <laughs> um, we had always sort of talked about it. It was like a pipe dream. It was one of those, like when the kids are gone away to school, we'll go live in Mexico, right? And then, so I, I transferred into entrepreneurship and one of my coaches was actually like, well, what's stopping you from living in Mexico now? And I was like, well, nothing. So we did. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. 
what are the differences there? I mean, like, which do you prefer? Or is it, this is temporary, more permanent? You plan to move around more? Sort we of. probably plan to move around. Um, we definitely miss certain aspects of home. Like, I will tell you, I would almost kill for a Tim Hortons coffee right now. Um, <laughs> you know, but I don't miss the winter. It is like beautiful today, 30 degrees, sunny. We're half a block from the beach, you know. Um, but the more that we live here, the more I think we want to have a home base in Canada and then sort of go different places because, you know, there's so many places to see in the world, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I'm, that's one of the things I wanted to do a little bit of as well, travel a bit. And um, But the thing is that uh, with everything closing down now, it's sort of the, mm, mm -hmm. I'm delayed again. So I've been delayed for yeah. two years so far. I was hoping I was actually planning to leave before these numbers came back. I was planning yeah. to uh, like, yeah, I was going to literally stay Christmas here, then book something January, February and take off. But I think mm -hmm. I'm going to get delayed. So it is what yeah. it is. I mean, so and I mean, we're kind of looking at the opposite, right? Like our visas up in January. And so we were going to come home and I'm like, maybe we'll go to immigration and just leave. They'll extend it for us because things are a bit crazier in Canada right now than they are here. Right. So yeah, we may stay. Yeah, I get it. So it's, it's one of those things got to do with, uh, where, you know, what makes you comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So that being said, you focus on, um, uh, on finances with entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what made you take that route versus uh, maybe doing a contract with this particular company where you could still do the same thing? I am a big believer in freedom. What really drives me is, is well, two things. Supporting CEOs and working with CEOs in their businesses is like what really lights me up. So that drives me. The other thing that drives me is freedom. So being able to choose where I work, when I want to work, um, and really niching down and focusing on the things that I think are most beneficial to entrepreneurs is why I decided I wanted to do my own thing. Um, and, you know, I didn't want anyone telling me what to do, right? <laughs> so uh, that's why I went entrepreneur. Okay, I get it. Although, to be honest, sometimes you get told more what to do. Well, true. But <laughs> at least this way you have the option to say yes or no. We're working. Exactly. Work, you don't have the option. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, like, so obviously this has been working out well for you. What so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. What would have been the biggest challenge when you made the conversion? Um, the biggest challenge, I think, is getting it's your own head, um, to be honest, like making that leap into entrepreneurship um, is amazing and exciting, but it's also terrifying and scary. And there's a lot of what ifs. Um, I probably spent about, I would say four months before leaving my corporate job, um, just in the online space, building a network, building a community, seeing if there was actually a need for what I wanted to offer, like see if people were willing to pay for it basically. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing groundwork before I actually took the leap into entrepreneurship. So I think that made it less scary for me, but it is, you know, it's still that pressure. It's, it's great because it's all on your shoulders and you can rely on yourself, but it's terrifying because it's all on your shoulders. Right. 
Um, so yeah, that was probably the, the biggest thing for me. Right. That makes sense. So obviously you had a hesitation and stuff. How did mm -hmm. you get over Absolutely. it? When did you decide that, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. It is a little bit scarier, but you know what? I've tested enough. I'm taking the leap. I'm jumping off. Probably during tax time. Um, the last tax season I worked when I worked at the firm. Um, Cause you know, we worked like 80 hour weeks during tax season and my husband had taken a leave of absence um, from his work with COVID so that he could homeschool our son. And I just pretty much decided like there's more to life than this than like going into the same office day after day, you know? Um, so then we decided together, like, okay, let's make, some, let's make an exit plan and, and execute. So that's what we did. <laughs> Makes sense. So, I mean, one of the things you said is that uh, you talk about how to not run out of money. Yes. Yeah. How did that, how, you know, <laughs> give us a breakdown of your plan and how, how, you know, how it works for you. And then what you So I'm, I'm a huge proponent. Like I love balance sheets. I love income statements. They're very important reports. Um, but probably to me, the most important report that you can learn how to read or have someone read with you is a cash flow forecast. So for those that don't know what cash flow is, is essentially the cash coming into your business every month and then the cash going out of your business every month. What you want to see is a positive cash flow. So you want to have more cash coming in than going out. Um, so to not run out of money, <laughs> believe it or not, we can predict with some accuracy. Of course, it's not 100%, but we can predict with some accuracy the money that is going to be coming in and going out each month. So then you look ahead at those months and say, okay, that one, like positive cash flow, that's good. Or, oh, that one's a negative cash flow. So you either have to do a couple things. You can either plan how you're going to cover that. So whether you cover it from your personal account or you cover it from business savings or you sell more, you know, so, but it gives you more, um, I would say more stability and less stress being able to see that forecast and see like, okay, that month's looking a little short. Let's plan for that, you know? What's most stressful are surprises. So the the fewer surprises we can have, the better we're going to be. <laughs> Absolutely, like, but surprises are a part of uh, being in business. But let me Very ask true. you something about personal <laughs> opinion, right? Like, what do you? How do you feel about credit and if people using just say lines of credit as a backup resource? Um, I don't have a problem with it because it's it's the way of life, right? We don't always have. Ideally, the, the more you go on, I would like to see having a bigger savings account, having, um, you know, how people always talk about like a personal emergency fund. I think yes. it's great to have a business emergency fund, right? I think where the problem comes in with credit is when we don't have a plan to pay it back. When it's like, all right, I'm going to take five grand off my line of credit and do this which is fine, but it's when there's no plan in place on how you're going to pay that back where the problems arise. Right. That makes sense. Now here, I'm going to ask you kind of a personal question because I've seen, heard this debate on and on mm -hmm. and on. And my answer's always been ask your accountant. Well, yeah. I'm going to ask you, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Where, like, I personally don't believe in car leases at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it, it's just, that's been my belief. It doesn't make mm-hmm. me right or wrong. But mm-hmm. I do know in terms of accounting purposes, there is a certain point that a car lease would make sense. You know, even, I mean, against my own belief, but I'm also a guy who believes yeah. in buying things with the money you have. Um, yep. But I've heard somebody, oh, I'm going to lease a car because it's a write-off. Well, you know, if you're making 20 grand a year, I don't think you need it. Um, as an example, <laughs> where's that magic number where you can say, okay, if this is my consistent number, I could start to consider that. So the thing with vehicle expenses in general is you don't have to lease to be able to write off vehicle expenses. Um, you can actually, so if you have leased that vehicle, that is a write-off. But if you have a vehicle that is financed, that you use um, a portion for business and a portion for for personal, you can write that as well, including the interest charges on the loan, repairs and maintenance, all the same things that you can do with a leased vehicle. So for me personally, I think that leasing vehicles are a better deal for the dealership than they are for you, Um, especially if your business isn't into say six figures, multi six figures, you know, leasing a vehicle isn't, any more beneficial than just writing off a portion of the vehicle that you already have, right? Um, so for someone, say like you, John, that that does realty, um, you can use your own vehicle. You don't have to be leasing a vehicle to use it for business purposes. The important thing is um, keeping track, having a mileage log. Right. See, I agree with everything you just said. That's exactly what I said. I, I said whether you lease it, finance it, or even buy it, the depreciation mm-hmm. is still a write-off, regardless. Yeah, exactly. So I that's what I firmly believed. And and I thought for me, a lease was a cheap cop out to say I really don't have the money. And that's okay yeah. because it's not like you know, when I grew up. You can buy a car for ten thousand bucks these days. Yeah. A, a car that's uh, ridiculous, you know, like entry level is like thirty grand. So yeah, it's not shocking. And I think, <laughs> I think too, particularly with vehicles. And again, this is just a personal opinion, but I think vehicles become a big keeping up with the Joneses thing. You know, like the neighbors are driving a Benz, so I need to get a BMW even if I can't afford it. And that's one of those things where I work with clients. Like I have a client who drives um, a Range Rover and like she can afford that Range Rover. So if that's something that, that makes you feel good and you want to do that, hundred percent do that. But you know, we take a look at the numbers and it's like, is your cash flow going to support that purchase? Yes. See, that's the other thing, right? I want the polar opposite of everybody. I mean, what I mean is I started with the Mercedes and I dumped it and then I got a Toyota Highlander and uh, which is yeah. the polar opposite <laughs> of most people. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I can't justify it. I couldn't justify it. Right. I looked exactly. at it and I went to the dealer, not to the dealer, to my mechanic. And there was such a major problem with it. He says it's going to be between five and 8,000 bucks. As a five mm-hmm. to 8,000 bucks on a car that's six years old. I go, the only yeah. person who's going to get it is the dealership when I trade it in. I'm not paying that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I go, and well, I just said, you know what? It's just not worth it. But that's It's me. not. Right? And I mean, so, yeah. I, yeah, I also too, I have a husband who, um, he's not a mechanic, but like he's built his own car and, and done all those things. So he always works on our vehicles. So for, I always have this little voice in my head that's like, yeah, you want to buy a Benz, but like, they're not cheap to repair. You know, they're not a Honda, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, like, like, it's just crazy. But yeah. um, hey, again, to each their own. I mean, it's not a judgment. Absolutely. Whatever they want, yeah. you know, like, but yeah, no, it goes back to what I always say. See, it proved my point. When somebody says, what do you think of cars? I don't know your numbers. It's always coming back down to talk to your accountant. They'll tell you whether it's worth it or not, or whether you should. Well, and and I and I have these discussions with my clients. And again, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not Jamie Spears, right? I'm not taking like, I'm not, uh, what, what did he do with Brittany? Whatever he did with Brittany. You know, I provide you with the advice. I provide you with the data and the information and you can do with it as you will. Right. Right. So, so I'm going to go into the next thing, which I, I, I thought of, do our RSPs make sense to you? If so, why? Or is it depends. Level again? <laughs> um, it depends. So if you are at an income level where, you know, you're, you're bringing in six figures, you're doing pretty well. RRSPs make sense because they're going to be a deduction. So they are going to lower your tax payable. I mean, ultimately, the thing you want to have is a zero taxable income, right? Um, and for that, you best get a very good accountant. But yes, RRSPs make sense um, when you're trying to reduce that taxable income. But if you're still at you know, a lower level, um, and you're not really needing those extra tax deductions, then a TFSA might be a better option. Because if you need that money, you can access it, and you're not going to have to pay taxes on withdrawing it. So it sort of depends where you're at income wise. But yes, I do. I like both. <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a little scenario, if you don't mind. Like, No, not at all. Okay. Pretend you made about $100,000 a year. Now, out of that hundred thousand, your business expenses are roughly thirty. Your personal right. expenses are thirty as well, but that's obviously not a write-off from the business. Mm -hmm. um, so you have seventy k left over, and just yeah. say you have about twenty k to put in an RSP. Would that benefit you, or is it still do it? Enough? Okay, dump it. Um, so it's it's like it's not going to be huge. It's not like it's going to bring you down to zero taxable income. But when, if you had in that scenario, if you had that much taxable income, max out your RRSPs. Right. Okay. Oh, max it out. Yeah. Like okay. if you could, um, you know, if 20K was your limit, max it out. Or if 20K is all you feel comfortable putting in, do it. Well, here, let, let me give you another scenario. What if you, if you, if that same scenario, your maximum is 60K, but you'd have to do an RRSP loan to maximize it. Is that worth it or are you better off just to pay the tax and just pay what you have in cash for the RSP? Uh, my personal opinion is you're better to do it in cash because I don't like debt personally. Right. Um, but you can always look at your interest rates, right? So if you're going to make more interest than you're going to pay on that loan, then you're going you're gonna to have a, a positive cash flow, if you will, in terms of, of interest. But if you're going right. to pay more interest on that loan, then you're going to make an RSPs. I wouldn't do it. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. That was just a curiosity question, right? Yeah. 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 I just, my personal, like we worked very hard to get ourselves out of debt. Um, so I am, yes, I am like personally like no debt. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm exactly the same way. I can't stand on a dollar. I don't carry balances on credit cards and I, yeah. I, I just won't do it if I had to. Yeah. So, me too. Yeah. So I get it. So yeah, those were curiosity questions. Now, yeah, 100%. now the other question I have is it's going to be contrary to my original question where I said where your struggle was in mm -hmm. business. A lot of times though, when we're going through it, we push through the struggle and mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, we feel a little bit of relief. I mean, we never feel full relief because let's be honest. It's always the, Oh God, what's next. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. We do feel a little relief. We feel an aha moment that you're going, Oh, okay. Even if, I'm going through the struggle. I know I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. This happened and that happened. And that tells me I'm on the right path or I'm at least in the right sector. So I feel good. I mm -hmm. feel confident and I don't have any uh, holdbacks anymore. What was that aha moment for you? For me personally, um, I struggled a lot with the mindset piece being like, am I qualified to do this? Um, are people going to listen to what I have to say? So when one of my clients hit 1.5 million in revenue and I'm their CFO and, you know, the CEO comes to me every day asking me for advice, asking me for, for certain things. Um, I was like, well, crap, maybe I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like I haven't led him astray. Everything's been going fine. You know, that was, that was one of my, my aha moments. My other one was when, when my business coach or one of them, she said to me, she's like, Christine, whatever you are offering to these people is more than what they can do for themselves. And that is of value, you know? And I was like, she's right. So whether they're my, my $10,000 a month people or they're my $1.5 million revenue people, I have skills that, that, that aren't their zone of genius. Right. So that's right. how I was like, we're going to be okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Cause I think everybody suffers from imposter syndrome at the beginning. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Even I know coaches that have been doing it for years now and they still feel that sometimes. Right. That's so true. So, yeah. That's awesome. Now going to what you're saying with a coach, right? Like, Obviously, you believe in coaches. You believe in that mm -hmm. uh, mentorship. Yeah. Where did you decide you needed a coach, and how did that come about? First coach I ever hired was a sales coach. Um, she specialized in sales, and she was the one who actually encouraged me to transition into – I came to her as a network marketer, and I was like, if I'm not selling anything, I don't have a business, Right. So she was one who encouraged me to take my skills as an accountant and in numbers and transition that into the online space. So I fully credit her. Like if it wasn't for her, I would not have the business that I do. But the reason I went with a sales coach in particular was because if you can't sell, you don't have a business. I don't care whether it's a house, like a realtor, an accountant, um, whatever you do. If you can't sell, you can't, you, you don't have a business. I agree with you on that. And it comes down to um, 
You can have the best product in the world, the best idea in the world, but if nobody buys it, you still can't pay your bills. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's quite simple, simple uh, <laughs> formula. But yep. it's great that it's great that you know, like you didn't just go on your own and think you can do it all and then give up. You actually yep. went in, you came up with the idea in that coaching, and you just built yourself. Personal development is huge in my in my opinion and my belief. Uh, absolutely, and I'm I'm a big fan of planning for investing in mentorship. Um, and being self-aware enough to know where your areas of weakness are. Yes. You know, um, and, and then investing accordingly, right? Right. See, I also have a little bit of a different belief than most people. I believe you get, you, you know, self-awareness is important here. And you figure out where are you the strongest and where are you mm -hmm. the weakest. Mm -hmm. Delegate your weakness and uh, become stronger at your strengths. Yes, I love that too. Like for me, so in my in my business personally, I have someone who does my Instagram engagement for me. Um, mostly because I hate it, not because I'm not good at it. But you know, so I realize what do I not want to do? What do I like to do? I delegate out what I'm not good at or what I don't like to do, and I spend my time like taking courses on numbers stuffs, numbers stuffs, numbers stuff, or um you know, on, I'm taking one right now on like SAAS metrics, you know, like those kind of things that are going to help me bring more value to my clients. Right. See, here's another thing I heard there, right? Like you, like you mentioned Instagram in particular and where I'm hmm. going with this is that you, you were smart enough to recognize that everything is online these days. Like Instagram is an important factor. You don't mm -hmm. like to do it yourself but you're still willing to get on there. You're still willing to do the work and delegate the parts that you're weak yeah. at, right? Because at the end yeah. of the day, when you still do video, it's still you on there. It may not be you yeah. that are opposed. It may not be you that uh, that times it, but you're still mm -hmm. there and you're still engaging, which is the important part. It's yeah. not just disregarding it, uh, you know, because you don't feel like it. So yes, exactly. Again, at the end of the day, we all have stuff we like and hate. The difference is successful people do it anyways. Right. Yeah. So that, that's, and that's phenomenal. I, I commend you for uh, recognizing that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, and also, too, one of the things I like to do with my clients is like, what do you hate? What's the first thing you want to outsource? And they'll tell me and we'll say, all right, let's make a plan for how to make that happen. Right. If you hate creating your Canva graphics or whatever it is, let's make a plan to outsource that. For sure. That's exactly it. So now, like, for example, I'm in the point where I got to do numbers because right, my end of year is literally in two days. And mm -hmm. um, so I'm working on my numbers and stuff. And I want to, um, I'm fortunate enough that uh, technically, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm putting together my own numbers, admitting it to the accountant. Um, yeah. They, uh, I'm incorporated, so technically they're supposed to do it themselves, not me. Yeah. But they know me well enough that they go through it, and I'm very meticulous. So Yes, exactly. It's a trust-based yeah. trust thing there. Uh, I'm sure they review it, still give them a bank system, but based statements. But yeah. I save money by pre-doing it myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I find it to be a pain in the ass, and part of it is, well, two days is due, and I'm just starting. 
Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason. Now, up to this year, I've been very proactive. I do it every month at the end of every month. Yes. But I got yeah. I allowed myself to get distracted and um not do what I should. <laughs> so now mm-hmm. two days and then 12 months. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um but where I where I'm going with this is that being in the field you're in, how can somebody develop a routine so they don't do what I just what I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. And you are not alone, first of all. Um, and I was joking with one of my fellow um, numbers people about how when we're creating content through the year, we're like, how can we evoke the feelings that everyone is feeling right now? But how can we evoke those in like June and July? You know, um, so my biggest thing is to just make it part of your routine, part of your business routine. So we all do admin things, you know, um, whether it's creating content or whatever and make the numbers part of your routine right now should this be a monthly routine or should it be sort of i have a receipt let me input it right now um i I usually i usually encourage monthly and then as you start to grow and as you start to get busier um possibly make it weekly right now what do you think of an app as an example like um I used to use in the in the past a program called Wave Accounting, mm-hmm. and what ends up happening is it comes with a little app on your phone. You get a receipt, mm-hmm. you take a picture, yep. and it, it uploads it for you. What do you mm-hmm. think of having a system so that you know every time you have that receipt, it's always in there? So this way, you're just making adjustments and categorizing it I, month to month. I think it's great. I think it's so great that, if that helps you stay consistent. Do it. Perfect. So yeah, yeah, okay, so that that's perfect. Yeah, okay, so that was kind of curiosity there. Um, yeah. So every entrepreneur, oh, hold on, before I get into this question, I want to ask you, because obviously you're working remotely and tax mm-hmm. laws are different everywhere in the world. Yes. How do you, like, where do you service? Do you service certain countries? Do you service everywhere? And how did you, uh, how do you separate it? I work... The- I work primarily with Canadians because that's where I'm most familiar, but I do do um, bookkeeping and finance management things with Americans as well. Okay. Just no, no American tax. Okay. So you do the bookkeeping part, but you don't follow the taxes, but you do exactly. the tax part yeah. in Canada. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. I was just yeah. kind of curious because I just thought about yeah. that. I'm thinking, wait a minute. You moved to Mexico, but you were from Canada. And I'm thinking, okay, well, where do you work? <laughs> so yeah. I had that kind of, uh, you know, question. I mean, it should have been obvious, but I thought it would get the clarity. No, yeah, absolutely. And so where I was going to go with the, the next part was that as entrepreneurs, we don't have an outline schedule like a nine to five. We don't mm-hmm. wake up at 7 a.m., get ready, grab our morning coffee on the way to work and then show up for nine o'clock or eight o'clock. And, you know, our lunch is at 12 o'clock and, <laughs> yeah. and we don't have that schedule. So it's easy mm-hmm. to get um, distracted and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, off focus and stuff. And how mm-hmm. do you establish your routine? Like, do you have a set routine? Does it fluctuate? Do you plan in advance? And like, if so, is it, do you like plan the night before? Do you plan a week before? Like, how does your calendar work? So I tend to plan at least the week before. Um, but I do sometimes schedule things in like months, depending, you know, what it is and what I'm doing. Um, 
for me personally, I stick to a pretty set schedule just because that really works for me. Um, so I wake up super early. I work in the morning. Um, I usually take afternoons off and then I usually do another little spit of work in the evening. Um, that's just what works for me. And I think it is important to establish some type of routine um, just to keep us accountable, right? But then there's other days where I'm like, we live in Mexico, screw it, let's go, let's go to the beach, you know? So, and I mean, worst comes to worst, I always have this little doodad, right? Like I can always answer texts or emails if I have to, right? So. Right. That makes sense. Now, do you have set boundaries with clients? And what I mean by that is that, like, do you have a certain hours where you do respond right away and certain hours where they don't? Like, because some customers can be all over the place. I mean, like, you can get mm -hmm. calls at 9 p.m. You can get calls at 6 a.m. Um, yep. I found calls at 3 a.m., which those ones. I know, probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so you know what I'm talking about without even finishing the sentence. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, so yeah, how, like, what would you tell a person and how would that work and how do you, you know, protect those boundaries? I do have boundaries. So I immediately say Monday to Friday, um, you know, email text access. But if they, um, if they message me, like sometimes I'll put my phone on personal mode so that it doesn't come through. And then I will message them back when I go off personal mode. I did not know that was available. I just learned something. It's a thing. So if you go in your settings and you'll see a thing and it says, whoops, focus. Oh, wow. And you can go focus, personal, sleep, work. That is awesome. Yeah. And then you can control what comes through and what doesn't. Amazing. That's a great system because mine is just there. Yeah. Like, I have a tendency that when I'm in my own zone, it's in silence. Mm -hmm. I don't even carry my phone with me, but I got caught yeah. a couple of times. I'll go somewhere my payment. I'll have like a gift card and it's on my phone and I'll be, mm -hmm. uh, we'll Tim Horns. I'll use a Tim Horns card. And it's like, Oh, it's two ninety five, please. And I'm like, mm, uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm, I guess I'm using my uh, debit card. Um, yeah, I'm at home, <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, there's got to be a better system than this. Yeah, <laughs> I just, you know what? I used to answer everything all the time, and I didn't create yeah. boundaries at all. Me but neither. I found, out, I found out I, I just, I burn out. You know, I yes, guess, me too. Like, so, and honestly, I do the, I do the focus mode more for myself than my clients because if they message me, I will answer. So it's more for me to, yeah. to put that on focus mode and, and focus on what I'm doing, you know? I totally agree with you. I mean, like, I, that, that's, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out, a system that, like, look, even now we're doing the podcast. I'm not going to answer my phone. Yeah, so exactly. What's the, you know, what's the point of it ringing? It's just going to distract me. Yes. Yeah. So exactly. I, I, I like to time block, right? When I time yes, block, me I, too. I zone into whatever I'm doing. Because yep. I don't believe in this multitasking stuff that people talk about. No, our brains are actually not wired to work like that. Exactly. Because I find yeah. that once you get distracted and you come back, then you start thinking, okay, where did I leave off? Mm -hmm. Well, even that statement alone just delayed you by 30 seconds at least. Exactly. Know. And if yeah. you keep doing that, how many minutes have you lost? So. Yes. How much time are you actually wasting? Yeah, exactly. 
Now, going into um, into the business, right? Like, obviously, in accounting, you're tracking everything. How mm-hmm. how do you get you know like how to determine what, what which products or services are making you the most money? Now, where I'm mm-hmm. coming is how to differentiate because sometimes you have a product that may seem slow. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it may seem like it's a new product launch and sometimes product launches don't take off right away. Sometimes there's a bit of a delay. Mm-hmm. How do you yep. determine if it's a delay or a flop? I usually like to give it a little bit of time. Um, so give it a month, see how it's doing. Um, and it depends whether it's like a product or a service. Right. Like we can tell if a if a coach's launch is going well right from the start or if it's <laughs> You know, so, but with a product, I like to give it a little bit of time. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, Have you ever had difficult clients? And while we all have difficult clients, what I mean by that is where like you have that product and you don't think it's going well and you can see it like the writing's on the wall, but Mm -hmm. the client is just sticking their two feet in. You see it as a stinking product and, and, and the client's not listening. How do you get through to them or do you get through to them? You don't. Honestly, I can only give them my advice and they can do with it um, as they will. And that's all I can do. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Some, yeah. I have the, yeah. Real estate is the same way. Sometimes. Yes, exactly. I've I've been out there where I've shown houses uh, as an example. It's going to be a fictional one, but I'll give you one. Um, yes. Client has a budget of 500,000. They see homes that are listed at uh, 490 but it has an offer date for next week. So you tell them this is going over 500. Everything Mm -hmm. in that market sold for 600 or more. You're only approved for 500. It's futile to even see this because you have no chance, Mm -hmm. but they're determined got to go see it. And then they want to come in and say, Hey, what do you think if I offer 450? I just sit there, sat there and told you that it's going to go for 600. It ain't going to work. If I'm wrong, it won't be wrong because it went for less. It'll be wrong because it went for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you want to go under. Like yeah. I know. I know. And that's it's exactly like I said. I'm not Jamie Spears, right? So I can only I can only give you my advice and you're gonna do what you want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I get yeah. that totally. I um yeah, I totally get that. Have you ever had a have you ever had to fire a client where you just said, you know what, I give up? Yes. Yep. I had a client, um, she was always late uploading stuff and and that and that was fine. I could deal with that part. Then she didn't pay me for uh, three months running. And I was like, you know what? We're done. We're done. And I know it's scary to let go of clients. But the thing is, it opens up room for something better. Right. I love that. See, you just described a, a, a key important mindset. Right, like, like, like mm-hmm. I'm going to use real estate as an example again. We're in mm-hmm. Toronto with yes. 90,000 transactions and 92,000 uh, realtors. Well, Ontario's 92,000 uh, realtors, yeah. but not just Toronto. Toronto, I think, is like 70, but close enough, right? Mm-hmm. So, the point is, there's more realtors than there are transactions, yes. So, with that being said, everyone says, Oh, there's not enough to go around, and it's always that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. But it goes like the wealthy. 3% are wealthy. 2% are doing very well. And um, 15%, I would say, is middle class. And 80% are wondering where they're going to get their bills paid from. Mm-hmm. So it's the same scenario. 
Now, what yeah. happens is you always have the whoa, I'm going to be short, the scarcity mindset. That, that's a lot of people yeah. have. The problem is it's only scarcity because you believe that. Exactly. Right? So what happens, you, I found your mind finds what you're looking for. So if you're always mm-hmm. willing to be short, you're going to find a way to be short. Yes. Uh, what was that? What, what's that saying? What you focus on yes. grows or something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. That, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So you go where you focus. So yes. And that's the thing, right? So I believe in abundance. 100% I believe in Me that. too. And, and especially in the online space, it's a little different in like, quote unquote, real life. But in the online space and with coaching, I'm like, you know, there are like, what, 8 billion people in the world? Like, I mean, there's more than enough to go around, you yeah. know? And even with realtors in Toronto, like how many people are in Toronto, right? A million and some? Oh, it's man. like, yeah, I get yeah. You know, so there's just always going to be someone else ready to buy or sell a house. It's right. You know, yeah. See, that's the other thing, right? Like, I mean, in two days is my year end. Um, so three days is my official start of my uh, coaching. Yep. And where I'm going with this is I starting. I'm starting a coaching business as a second business. My official launch is January. So Yay. what I'm going with is. <laughs> I fully expect to get more clients outside of Ontario than I do in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm going by pattern. When I see pattern, there's a certain mindset here that I found in a majority of people, that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. So rather than looking at opportunity to help, they're looking at it as expense, which is one of those exactly. things that I see wrong with may, many corporations they mm-hmm. see their employees as, exp- as an expense and not yeah. an asset yes i agree 100 I mean, employee is an expense if you're not yes. utilizing them but if you don't have them you don't got a business <laughs> right and that's the thing right so if you can utilize somebody they're an asset because they're there to grow your business and if they're not growing your business it's not because they're an expense it's because you're not utilizing them or you have the wrong people yeah And I also, too, one of the things I, and I consistently tell myself this, is to stay in your own lane. You know, don't worry about what accountant A over here is doing or CFO B over here is doing. Worry about what Christine is doing. And if Christine focuses on what she is doing and doing, servicing her clients the best she can, more will come. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, stay in your own lane. (laughs) Or do what I say, create your own. Exactly. <laughs> if you if your lane you're in doesn't work, create another one. <laughs> exactly. You can so, always pivot. Exactly. My yeah. favorite word since COVID started: pivot. <laughs> pivot. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my other question for you now. Like, obviously, in life you're either growing or dying. Mm-hmm. Right. So end of the year, I'm sure you always, um, you know, look back at what you've done. Mm-hmm. And, and where you've gone and I'm sure you have a plan of where you want to move to. Mm-hmm. So how do you assess your past and decide what you're going to do to move forward? Like, what does that look like? I look back at what worked in the year, what didn't work in the year. I look at what I, what felt good in the year and what didn't feel good in the year. And my goals are always to do, more of what feels good and less of what doesn't feel good. 
that's my my ultimate goal. <laughs> makes sense. Totally get that. I mean, you obviously want to do stuff that makes you happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, how's there at, I, I was going to say, we all have things that we say, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, obviously, in terms of business, how, what moment, what, what happened that you, you did something, you fully committed, and then saying, I'm never doing that again? <laughs> Piecework <laughs> is my big thing. I take piecework because I'm like, oh, this person needs my help or whatever. And then I get into it and I'm like, why did I do this? And I literally messaged my business coach uh, the other day. And I was like, if I ever say that I am taking piecework again, please remind me of this day. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Now, here's a pattern that I noticed. And it's just a pattern. I'm just social talking on this part here. Um <laughs> I found that the people who pay the least ends up being the hardest to work with. Yep. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. I found that my, um, my high paying clients are like amazing, you know, um, hardly any work. Like I feel like, you know, I don't do enough. Yeah. 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 That, that's the thing, right? I found uh, like even going back to when I had my marketing and print business. I remember I had somebody that would order a product that was like 35 bucks. They were ordered at uh, 9 a.m. By 11 a.m. They're on the phone. I'm on my way. You know what I mean? I'm like, on my way to what? Right? To all the pick up the cards. You sent it two hours ago. You know what I mean? This is back in the day before they did digital printing where it was instant or whatever. Yeah. This is back in the press where it's like, you know, it takes time. And I'm like thinking, yeah, I'll bust out my photocopy machine. You know, like, oh, my God. Like, no, no, no. I had the schedules and deadlines. It was always send mm-hmm. it on Wednesday, you pick it up Friday. So, yeah. and those were like $30, $40, $50 clients. And mm-hmm. then I had customers that would order like $20,000, $30,000 uh, at a time. Um, and oh, be, take your time. But this is the thing it would be dated, <laughs> as an example, it would be dated for Saturday. It would mm-hmm. be Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. And I can't get a hold of them. Like they're in no rush. Yeah. I'm going, but it expires tomorrow. Yeah. Like total totally backwards <laughs> i know i know i know so wow yeah yeah so like kind of crazy how that goes yeah um so now what advice would you have for a new entrepreneur that's just starting out and has the same hesitations you may have had when you started out and everybody else has they're not sure what to look for they don't know where to start what would you suggest? Invest. Invest in yourself and people that will grow your business. Be consistent, like showing up on social media, doing the work, whatever. Be consistent. And I know this is so cliche, but don't give up. Keep going. Love it. Love it. So now, you know, because I mean, I want to keep in, you know, respect for your time here, guys. We've been here for 47 minutes, which is great. And I'm enjoying it, but I could be here all day, but at some point in time. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to go in what's called the uh, lightning round. Okay. So it's just going to be personal questions, you know, that'll be uh, quick and uh, and and interesting. Okay, let's do it. What would be your favorite podcast and why? Favorite podcast right now is called Morbid. 
It is a true crime, true crime podcast. And personal fact, I'm obsessed with true crime. <laughs> that seems to be a common thing these days. I, yeah. I, when you said morbid, <laughs> I kind of saw that coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, favorite book? Ooh, favorite book. Lord of the Flies. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think it talks, um, it makes an interesting point about the human dynamic. Right. And I think things would have been very different had there been more girls. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, favorite vacation spot? Mm. Progreso, Mexico. We moved here. <laughs> That, that would be logical. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I would say next favorite food. Ooh, favorite food. Hmm. I'm a big foodie. I love food. I eat all the time. Um, but right now I'm having a hankering for a good old Canadian poutine with cheese curds. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> now, along the line of food, one food that you would be happy if you've never seen it again. Green beans. Oh. <laughs> I guess you had your fair share of those. <laughs> I hate green beans. <laughs> That's interesting. I uh, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Yes. If it's yeah. cooked and made a certain way, I really like it. But if it's not cooked and made that same way, I really hate it. Yes. <laughs> I should say I like canned green beans. I do not uh, like fresh green beans. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. 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 I want to say thank yeah. you for being on the podcast. Um, oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. And uh, yeah, I love, I especially love connecting with other Canadians. It's my fave. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, where yeah. can people find you online? Uh, the best way to find me is on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my time. My handle is at Christine and Finance. Um, if you'd like to know a little bit more about me, about my services, that kind of thing, you can always check out my website too, which is christineinfinance.com. Fantastic. Uh, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, John. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you.